Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Well, uh, welcome to Painting of the Week. And um, I'm Phil. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to look at one of Laura's choices, which is a great choice. It's by Bert Morisot, uh, and it's called Girl in a Boat with Geese mm. from 1889. And I'm sure none of you need telling that Bert is a woman. <laughs> B-E-R-T-H-E. But Laura tells me <laughs> that Bert's parents kind of did this on purpose. Well, I don't know, Neil. I think I've made it up. <laughs> I thought I had it right, and then you decided that you knew. I read somewhere that in her family, the girls were called by male names. Or names that could be male. Yeah. So, Ed, is it Edna or Edma? Edma. Edma could be Ed. Yeah. If Ed was a French And male then Yves name. as in Yves Laurent. And Eve, yeah. But. I love the name Bert, by the way. Mm, I think it's a fabulous name and I'd like to be called that. I think it's fabulous. It's quite trendy. Bert. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay, we'll come back to that. Um, so <laughs> now I am very fond of Bert Morisot and I've always made the point when talking about Impressionist painters in books and blogs and films, um, it's very easy to kind of default to say, oh, the Impressionists like Renoir, Degas, Monet. I always make sure I say like Renoir, Degas, Monet, Morisot, because I think she's right up there with all of them. Uh, she is an Impressionist. She's not a female Impressionist or the woman Impressionist. She's just an Impressionist like the others. And I think rather unfairly overlooked at times, perhaps because of her gender. Do they also because she died quite young? Um, I And so therefore maybe didn't do so many more paintings. She's quite prolific in her, what, 50-odd yeah. years. Mm. And sometimes, as we know, dying young actually just kind of solidifies your yeah, frame, that's doesn't true. it? Mm. Um, well, you know, make, you know, look at someone like Caravaggio. I mean, he dies young. and um, So I'm not sure. I think, it's, I think it probably does go back to gender discrimination. Yeah. It was the case with Impressionists. They kind of... Broadly speaking, broke down into two groups, I think. There were those that came from relatively wealthy backgrounds, which gave them a, a foot up. And being somewhat independently wealthy allowed them to basically paint how and what, how they liked and what they wanted. Yeah. And I would include Manet in that, for example. Um, there are others who were dirt poor and just stuck to their principles despite having barely a sou you know small you know the smallest of french coins i believe mm -hmm. pissarro was one monet initially was very very poor until he started selling um of course van gogh post-impressionist if you like but famously poor although supported by his brother oh, yeah yeah so morisot what i know of her background is that she actually was fortunate with her parents and 
was doubly fortunate because they were relatively well off and doubly fortunate because they supported her and her sister in their desire to be painters and I believe even built a kind of studio for them and, yeah. you know, didn't feel this is not something that girls should be doing. Yeah. That's obviously highly significant. Um, and I'm, I'm always interested in the relationships between the Impressionists, between the Monet and the Manet and the Cezanne and the Renoir, because, again, it, it is, it's an easy easy thing to fall into just kind of lumping them all together they're very different personalities right and i love the fact the more you get to know them the more you realize you know each one would have had a different relationship with the other do they all go on no they 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 admired each other Mm. and they enjoyed going to the cafes and you know other environments and talking about paintings Mm. but they had their disagreements and uh, you know Manet doesn't exhibit in the Impressionist exhibitions um, Cezanne it's a bit of an apocryphal story it's a bit exaggerated but when he came up from Aix-en-Provence you know he he didn't shake hands with I think it was Monet because he said I haven't haven't washed for three days I haven't washed for (laughs) four and they found Cezanne with his provincial accent a bit odd and a bit rough. Okay. <laughs> um, they all look, they all seem to like Pissarro, kind of genial, slightly older one of the group. Um, I thought they were probably really super competitive as well. Very, it's one of those things, isn't it? Being competitive and supportive mm. and influenced and influencing. But within this group, you have um, two key women, really. There is a third, Brackmond, but there's two key women. Bert Morrisot being one, and then the American artist, Mary Cassatt, yeah. who's really interesting. And mm-hmm. in fact, we're in the middle of making, well, no, that's not true. We've just started making a film about her. And oh, then we need to do another painting. We need to do one person. We do. Mm. And just on Mary Cassatt, it's, it's significant that the National Gallery of Art, Washington, consider her within the French school. So they consider her a French impressionist. Oh. All other American galleries, to the best of my knowledge, have her down as an American artist. Yeah. So these categories can become quite important. And um, and there's an interesting link there because the painting that you chose is actually at the National, Ga- National Gallery of Art in Washington. Another trip? Another trip. <laughs> well, actually, I'm going there in a week. No. Funnily enough. Okay, cool. um, so you're going to see that one? Well... I just noticed, looking at it online, it's not on display. Oh. Which I found very odd because um, I think it's great. So what made you... I'll get it back up on, on our screens and hopefully... Oh, yeah. What made me choose it? You guys listening, if you're not out running, walking or <laughs> trying to get to sleep. <laughs> trying to get to sleep. They'll be off by now. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. Do you know what? I've listened to the same book so many times because I put it on a 15 minute thing literally oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in 30 seconds yeah. gone but anyway if people do drop off to sleep maybe they could write a little review and say yeah, this is going really well thank you it really helps I'm getting me. the best night's sleep I've ever had uh, <laughs> <laughs> all publicity is good publicity oh, yeah. we aim to please why um, did I pick it 
It reminded, I'll tell you uh, why you're finding it anyway, it reminded me of when Barkham Mills. Do you ever, did you ever go there when you were younger? Sorry that people listening in America and things like that, but. Well, you need like to explain what Barkham Mills is. a really lovely pub called The Anchor on at Barkham Mills, and you could, when we were children, you could get boats, and I think you still can, and you go up and down the river, and we used to have a little picnic, mm. but as always, there's always geese. Was it? Geese are they're trouble. I don't get on. I don't know whether who gets on with geese. They are if there's food about, <laughs> and they. I've just spent three days in Oxford walking down the river to go to the to the city each day, and all uh, whenever there was bother, it was the geese, <laughs> and it just made me laugh when I saw the geese. So I thought, oh yes, beautiful scene. But there they are, and they're going to be causing trouble if you've got any food at all. So that's absolutely brilliant, because that's all this painting needs to do. Yes. It just triggers memories, and it makes you laugh, yeah. because you remember being chased by geese or losing your cucumber sandwich yeah. to, to a goose. I love my food. I don't want to lose it. <laughs> but I, I just remembered that as well with my mum and dad. Mm. We used to go there quite a lot. It was a big thing, and it's definitely still there. Oh, it is? Yes, they do lots of weddings and things. I looked it up, yeah. I mean, pre-COVID, it was definitely... I mean, people used to go there. I've got friends who wild swim. Oh. And that's where they would go. Yes. It's one of the few rivers you can safely swim in. Yeah. Um, And uh, we we used to go there a few years ago now. Um, I remember once going there, and it's quite near Glyndebourne Opera House. Mm. And one of the singers had rented one of the rooms upstairs. So you'd be outside the pub. No. Having a drink and somebody would be upstairs. He'd be upstairs. Well, on this one occasion, he was practicing his oh, that's singing, lovely. his aria. And then the people drifting past. Oh, no, that's lovely. Oh, I like that. Fabulous scene. Mm, yeah. I mean, that is one of the appeals, I think, of, of the Impressionists, is that uh, many of their paintings, either completely or superficially, just have that feeling of, you know, they've escaped the city, which bear in mind, you know, could be very uncomfortable, particularly in the summer. It's yeah. really hot. Mm. I mean, there's no, if you look at people's biographies, then, you know, Chopin and his partner, Georges Sand, they would get out of, Paris was too uncomfortable, so they'd go to their country, in, to Nouan, where they had a house or she had a house. Or Beethoven, people sometimes misunderstand Beethoven in Vienna and they say he moved a lot. But many of those moves are in the summer, it's just too hot in the city. So yes, they didn't have air conditioning. There's no, you know. So getting out of Paris, which of course was much smaller at the time, and going to these beautiful scene, you know, scenes of the Seine. Mm. Um, and it is a lovely thing, isn't it? Getting in a boat. It is a funny thing. Yeah. You get in. It's a perfect. It's like a perfect day out. But also for an artist, it's a very. We just we've just finished a film called The Danish Collector, and um, it's coming out at the end of this year, twenty twenty one. And we inter- we in that we interview a Danish artist, right, called Tal R. And one of the things he says, which is very interesting, he talks about the madness of painting waves. Okay. And he says it's just the most absurd thing. I mean, isn't there's no moment when a wave is still no you're trying to capture something which is gone in a blink of an eye 
and it's extremely difficult to paint and capture. But as an artist, you constantly you're constantly drawn to it. I think what's always appealing to an artist and to the impressionist artist, of course, is that the water gives it that movement. It allows you to introduce essentially whatever colour you like, because yeah. you can just claim it's the sky, mm-hmm. but basically blue. Um, so it can cut in any way you like across the picture, but in this case, it's dividing the picture into thirds. Um, it gives a background to the foreground trees, otherwise they'd be against green. I mean, it's just it's just a great device. Um, you know, you know those two people in the boat. I think it's more exciting in the sense that they're in the boat rather than just sitting on a picnic blanket. Her paintings are lovely, aren't they? Because they're not, there's not a massive amount of detail almost. No. They're just, they're just so, I just think it's just such a like, perfect day out. And then when you look at some of her others, they're just, they've always got that probably like a delicate touch. They just look, they do look different. I think she actually technically is really, really adept and actually is pushing things in some ways further than some of the other artists. Oh, okay. And maybe that's also why people aren't quite as drawn to her because some of hers are starting... You know, you're starting to have to work a little bit harder to identify. Not so much, but there's a, on the surface level, there's, more, there's less detail in those trees. Yeah. Less, you don't quite see the... I mean, the characters in the boat are not quite as well formed as they would be if it was Manet, certainly no. not Renoir, certainly not Cezanne. No. Well, actually, Cezanne's not a good example. Well, you can hardly see the second one, the second, the second person one. in the boat. And I think, I think viewers are often a bit lazy, so they want immediately to get it. Mm. Um Actually, if you have the opportunity on your on your screens or you have other ways of seeing this painting, just look, I mean, just even with a magnifying glass or whatever, however you want to do it, just look really closely. Uh, we'll try and do it here. She's not letting me. No. <laughs> the normal technical hiccups that we have. We don't have technical hiccups. Oh, okay, fine. I definitely do. <laughs> I'm happy to admit that. <laughs> but it... I mean, wherever you look, it's so clever. And lovely colours. The beaut- beautiful colours. I love them. Really, really stunning. And in the background, is that another boat behind? Or is that just the water? Mm. It seems to me like it's a single boat. Yeah. I mean, to the right of the cat, it almost looks like you've got an older chap sitting. But the more the more you look at it, oh yeah, I, I didn't even see. The more you look at it, the more realistic it becomes in a way. Mm. It's quite a, you know, probably not helping much by being at the front of the boat, slowing it down. But they're in no rush. No, quite a large chap. I assume. One of those big round hats. Um, the person actually rowing is is half the size, and I would imagine I'm starting to guess here. Maybe his son. Yeah, it still has. Yeah, there isn't a lot of detail there at all. Or it could be, you know, it's Bert Morisot. Maybe she's making the point. Maybe it's a woman rowing. Uh huh. Yes. Um, 
But she was really sorry. Actually, she, sorry. What we're talking about? He's he's at the back of the boat, isn't he? Because mm. she's got her back to the to the bow. We were talking about this earlier, though. She was really, really good friends, wasn't she? she became really good friends with Mano. Yeah. And sometimes, I think quite. I don't know whether she did appreciate it or not. I think he might have got a little bit involved in some of her paintings. Mm. Might have come around and decided to put something into some of them or something. So I think there are some questions about that. I'm not sure about this one, of course. But uh, I mean, it'd be it'd be implausible to imagine that these painters weren't in each other's studios mm, making suggestions. Mm. And, you know, certainly that conversation is had about Degas and Cassatt. And there's one painting I remember we filmed in conservation at the National Gallery of Art where conservator was saying, look, you can see at the top here where Degas has actually redrawn you know, he's redrawn the top of the painting, oh, okay. making a specific point for Casa. Um, she was, she became really quite close with Edouard Manet. Mm. They met. It's a nice story. So she, um, she had this interest in art. She had the backing of a relatively, you know, well-off family. And I guess maybe like, a, you know, contacts help, whatever. She becomes a copyist at the Louvre. Okay. That's a nice job. It's a very nice job. And so what she's doing, and it tended to be a job for women, young women, mm -hmm. doing copies of paintings which are then sold to the public. Oh, okay. Whereas today you would yeah. buy a poster. Well, obviously, they couldn't really do that. I suppose there was, there was a form of printing if they wanted to. But anyway. So you bought a painting in the gift shop. So you go to the, yeah, exactly. Nice. I love that. <laughs> now, it's great for an aspiring young artist because I guess they might be told which paintings to copy because they're, these are the popular ones. But oh, still, they're going to be pop copying different styles. They can't do my favourite one, can they? Wedding of Cana. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I want to come out with that under my, under yeah. my arm. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if they always did it to scale, <laughs> whether they do smaller versions. Good question. I don't know. Anyway, what you also had, and recently was a bit of a fuss here because I think the National Gallery London tried to stop people doing this, but um, aspiring artists would also go into these galleries oh. and would copy. And I don't think there's an artist that we've made a film about that didn't do that. So Picasso would go in and he'd spend a day copying a Velázquez. In fact, if you go to the fantastic Picasso Museum in Barcelona, you can see his copies of a Velázquez, of a Goya, of a whatever, um, and of a Van Gogh. <laughs> but by copying, and they're really looking hard and they're trying to work out, it doesn't mean they want themselves to paint like Velázquez, but it's... It's like if you want to be a great musician and you learn to play like all sorts of different musicians. Yeah. And it all kind of filters in and you decide what you don't want and what you do want. So artists, you know, Van Gogh, he's often misread as this kind of crazed guy who just could just slopped paint about. Mm. Not, it's just nonsense. Um, he studied the history of paint, painting extremely um, carefully and he would go to galleries and he'd just he'd stand there and he would paint and he would copy. Um, and, you know, Manet was so, so important for Manet to get down to Spain to look at the great Spanish painters, which didn't 
tend to travel that much, the Velázquez and the Goyas mm-hmm. and the Riberas. And then when there was an exhibition of Spanish painting at the Louvre, it was a huge success, not least amongst kind of Parisian painters who went to have a look. Do you imagine you're a painter and you see a, a Goya for the first time or a Velázquez for the first time? It's like, oh, my Lord. Yeah. Um, well, I haven't seen either, so I can't wait. I'm going to have to be getting on flights everywhere this rate, Bill. Yep, your next 10 years are all taken care of. <laughs> but then, of course, what you can then see when you, you know, then you see how this is influencing their paintings. You can see it in Manet really clearly. Mm. So, young Bert Morisot is in the Louvre doing some copies, mm. and up walks this young chap called Edouard Manet. Oh, yeah. And says, hello, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> so, they become friends. And um, how close is slightly unknown, but they certainly um, became very friendly and um, their shared passion for art fueled that friendship. She ultimately, I mean, Manet, Edouard Manet, I think I'm correct, he's actually married at the time. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And but, she doesn't particularly like, or she didn't particularly like his wife. Okay. She ends up marrying Edouard Manet's brother and they have a daughter called julie who lives till 1966 which is, that's amazing so yeah. she's born she dies after i'm born i know that'll be a shock to everyone this same as me <laughs> who, are, who are shouting out no you you've got, you got the decade wrong surely <laughs> Bill, you mean on. 1973 <laughs> we've seen your picture i, I know i know um, airbrushed yeah, I'm using an old picture um, doesn't everyone do that come on anyway. we, there's a very very beautiful picture of Bert Morrison um, which where she's kind of dressed in black mm. she looks absolutely I mean, that's just a great self uh, portrait I think um, but again so with this picture I mean, she's she. It could be as simple as she just wants to experiment, see how broken the strokes can be, how non-realistic the scene can be, and yet still convey exactly the scene. Yeah, that um, actually would be a really hard painting to copy. Don't yeah. you think? Well, when you get in close, yeah, then it is. It is a you know so many so small many, dabs. Yeah. And going back to your copying story, that I mean that would just feel like we've been. I mean, I would really struggle. Yeah, <laughs> not that I'm an artist that's going to start painting. No, you'd be you would be really hard. It really would. It's so where the trees are and the sort of fading and the, those sort of like those sort of blurry bits, just beautiful, really tricky. Look, I reckon in the background there. I'm guessing, but I, I don't know. I was going to say there could be somebody walking through the through trees, the trees. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. Was she, um, was she known for not doing so much detail? I think she was known for, for, for trying to, you know, she wasn't copying any of the others. She no. wasn't copying Manet. She wasn't copying no. Monet. I think that, you know, when you look at her paintings, they feel like she's she's pushing it. It's almost, she's almost like on the path towards a Cezanne in some ways. Yeah. Where, I mean, they're all, they, they, it's interesting, they all, 
at different times and in different ways they they explore impressionism then they start some of them start to get a bit frustrated by it and want to go in different directions Renoir for one Cezanne another um, even Pissarro kind of starts exp- where it almost feels a bit too constraining and they want to move on to move on yeah maybe and, if she'd have lived longer as well though she might have done something similar yeah. I mean I don't know you don't know do you was she 52 or something 54 54 mm. um, which is yeah, it's tragic, really. I know mm. it was back in those days. It wasn't the... Did she catch? I think she caught pneumonia from her daughter. She was nursing her. Mm. And then caught yeah, pneumonia and died, yeah. But it's, I mean, really, really sad. I think she would have gone on to do so much more. I'm surprised it hasn't been more singular exhibitions about her work. I think there was one at the Barnes not so long ago, perhaps. Um, I'm not aware. But it's an interesting thing, actually. If a painter is slightly less well-known or respected, then there may be less of his or her paintings in a public institution and more in private collections. Oh, yeah, okay. So let's assume that might be the case with Bert Morisot. And I think I have read somewhere that half of her pictures are in private collections. That, of course, does make exhibitions a bit harder to put on because it's not a question of contacting 10 or 20 mm. public institutions who are always lending to one another because yeah. they know they're going to have an exhibition of something in a year or two that they need to borrow from you. So they have, there's just this exchange going on. Private collectors... Um, it's, it's, you know, you've really got to impress upon them. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to convince them to lend their painting. They might be scared of what could happen to the painting. They might just want to keep it so they can look at it for themselves. There'd be they, loads of issues. I mean, wouldn't you feel that if someone was coming along to take it off of your wall? I would be nervous. I would be, I would be really nervous. Because I did have this conversation with someone recently where he was, he's agreed to lend a painting. Oh. And they said, they said, um, well, how much should we insure it for? And he said, oh. he said, actually, it, it's pointless asking me that question because there is no figure, no, that would replace the irreplaceable. Oh, um, so are you still going to borrow it? No, no, not me. Oh, no, I was like, oh no, 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 no Phil, you're no. already getting me nervous. Then okay, no, 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 fine. No, no. I thought this was you. No, no, a, gal- a gallery putting on an exhibition. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I must admit, yeah. But I was thinking to myself, well, if it's if you're running the risk of losing the irreplaceable... Actually, no, sorry, I asked him. I said, well, if you're running the risk of losing the irreplaceable, why are you lending it? Mm. And he said, well, I don't... I feel it's a painting that, that should be seen. Yeah. And when the conditions are right and I'm asked in the right way and the the narrative of the exhibition seems, seems substantial enough... Um, then I will lend it. She's very magnanimous of him, I think so, for sure. Um, I mean, he's not... There's no financial benefit to him. No. Um, (laughs) Just imagine, though, I'd just be so nervous. Oh, yeah. But Um, the irreplaceable is just things that... I mean, I've got something of my mum's. It's just a little tiny plastic red bird. And she used to whistle it in Montreal. She used to say, tell me about it. I mean, it's probably... It's just ridiculous. 
But if anything happened to it, I would be up, really yeah. mortified. Yeah. So well, that's irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that may be why there um, have been fewer exhibitions. I mean, it's also, you get into this kind of cycle where, I mean, the Danish collector film that we've just made about an extraordinary collection, the Odruka collection just outside Copenhagen. I understand why the Royal Academy called it Gauguin and the Impressionists. Right. Rather than the Odruka collection, because it will get more people to see it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, galleries now, where money is always an issue, where they need footfall, if they've got a choice between a Manet exhibition or a Morisot exhibition, they probably think to themselves, actually, Manet's... I, I, don't... I think they might do a combination now. Well, I think it might be because of... I think actually because of the gender thing as well. I well, think they actually might do a combination. Well, in Baal, there's an exhibition right now which is about female artists. Uh-huh. I think there's seven, and that includes Morisot and Cassatt and Carlo. And if, tra if travelling wasn't such an issue, I'd go to see that one. God, it doesn't seem to be that much of an issue for you, Phil. Oh, it's a pain. No, 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 really. It's, Come on. No, I've only, I've only done two trips and they're both yeah. absolute pains. Every time I try to see you, it's, no, I'm sorry, Laura, I'm in Rome. I'm oh, okay, right. fine. Where are you, Laura? Oh, I'm in Oxford. Well, I'm Oxford. <laughs> Oxford is lovely. Don't, I had the best time. Don't knock Oxford. No, I'm not knocking it. I love it. But Copenhagen, yes, I'd like to go. Um, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, so... Sorry, no, Bill. no, no, so... I've made you lose your train of thought. No, I was just... But it... it um, <laughs> but I think, I think the galleries might be wrong in that, you know, they put on a Morisot exhibition. They might find that actually they did get... I think they really, really would. Yeah. I think people are much more interested as well in seeing new things as well. Mm. More diverse. I mean, there really are. There's got to be more interest now in, thing, in seeing some, so many different things. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Okay. Honestly. I mean, I know with our films, I've mentioned before on the, on the podcast, we tried to create the brand so that irrespective of the artist, we get the same amount of people coming. Right. And um, and I'm sure NT Live does the same, and the Met Opera do the same. Whereby, because both they both, I mean, the Royal, the last Royal Opera House live screening I saw was such high quality. Mm. The NT screenings are such high quality. In theory, you should go to any of them because then mm. you know they're going to be high quality, irrespective of whether you know the play or the opera. Right. That's not how it works. So people still think, "Oh, Marriage of Figaro, I like that opera. I'll go and see it." Okay. So we're trying to create a brand of exhibition on screen and we get such fantastic feedback. So we do a Van Gogh and we get good figures. Yeah. And the next one out of the blocks is Bosch <laughs> uh, or Munch or even Hockney. And it's like, how, why, is that, why is that half? Why have you done half the figures on that one? And it's just the name. Yeah. And that's, I think. Well, what about people studying? When you're studying for a degree or uh, history of art, which is clearly something I have never really <laughs> been involved with before, 
they always would always stick with the same name. So therefore, there's always those sort of people maybe yeah. as well. <clears throat> you've always kind of got those those core yeah. people that will watch it because they're studying as well. Well, I think there's this, you know, I think that um, in all fields, but there's a reason why Mozart and Beethoven, Chopin and Haydn get played a lot because they are unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And there'd be a reason that other composers might not get played so much because maybe, because they're not necessarily as good. I get no. that. But, you know, you've got to explore other composers, other artists, other writers. You can't keep... I mean, ideally you want people to read the greats, but also... You know, a bit of them. Well, when we did the Otto Dix podcast, yeah. we both were like, oh, this is amazing. That's a very good example. I would be rushing to an exhibition yeah. now if that came... If that came out, and even and even with Bert Morisot, I'd not mm. seen this painting before. No, and this prompted me to look at some look at her work again. Some I knew, some I didn't. That's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, it's, oh, it's lovely. If I had more time, I would absolutely like to read her biography. Um, <laughs> we are about to do a film about Camille Pissarro. So she'll pop up in that again. And we are doing, as I mentioned, a film about Mary Cassatt. And yeah. so she'll definitely be involved in that. Um, and I think, I think basically we'll, we'll, the next time there's a big exhibition, it will be a great opportunity actually to do a film about her. Yeah. Um, but as always, I think it's one of those, it, it, it's, just pause and have a look at the picture. When it first comes up, particularly if you're kind of just going through a lot of pictures, you, you, you might feel a little bit too abstract, a little bit too blurry, and it doesn't seem that interesting. But then you just need to stop and actually have a really good look. Mm. And, and I, you know, artist or non-artist, imagine yourself plonking your easel down by the side of the river and trying to capture that scene. <laughs> um, and again, as we've talked about, she's, she's, she's being, you know, the positioning of the trees and the geese and the boat. That's yeah. not, it's not a snapshot. It's not no. a photo. It's all done very carefully. The Those three, three all together would be fighting. The three geese all next to each other, <laughs> looking at the boat. Again, you come down to the left and that geese, the goose on its own. You hit that little tree. That little tree might not have even been there, but no. you need it in the picture because you go up the line of the of the trunk or the thin trunk. Hit the tree. The tree takes you across the water, so it's just so it just tips to oh. the to the bank on the other side. Hit the first tree. The first tree smaller than the tree in the middle. So again, that throws you to the right. The next tree smaller again, so it throws you down. Get down to that little tiny tree, and where are you going to go? And in fact. If you look in front, actually, sorry, behind the boat, where she's, she might argue she's just kind of showing some ripples and stuff, but it's, it's you know, she's used some white paint there. Again, mm. it's drawn your eye back to the boat, back to the geese. And then this time when you come round, I would think you'd probably go from the second or third geese up the oar. Oh, yeah. And then you might have a closer look at the, whether it's a young woman or a young, or a young, Boy, it's hard to tell, really. It's fascinating. I mean, the guy at the back, yeah. he's, he's a big lad. He's not, he doesn't really do, oh, I'm not sure about him. 
Actually, when you look at it, it's, I mean, that's... Well, uh, I need my glasses on, I put them on, I take them off. I can't work him out at all. It's almost like he's got, it's almost like this is the world of COVID, because if you look really closely... I can't even see what he's sitting on, though. Well, he's sitting on the very back. Yeah. So there's his thighs. He's got <laughs> big, big kind of coat on, holding his hands up, but he seems to have like a um, material around his face and just sunglasses and a big, big hat. <laughs> the more you look at it, the more it kind of looks like a rapper out of the Bronx. Really. Sorry, where did you say this painting was? We need to look at this one in the place. No, it's not on display. Oh, no. At the, okay. Nas- at the National Gallery of Arts. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> Don't, I can't. I hadn't noticed until now. Oh, no, hold on, hold on. This is interesting. Look, I've now got into the close-up. Ah, well, see, that's interesting. When you go into the close-up... Mm. Which is what we... Yes. Um, With our lovely technology. So I've just got to move that for a second. <laughs> so let's have a closer look at the chap. Well... Now, yeah. I don't even think it is now. Isn't that interesting? So, when you're going close, it completely breaks down. Oh. Okay. So, that, no, okay. So, that little, so in case we've lost you all, if you're going really close to the man, we assume it's a man sitting on the back of the boat. And it's interesting because we, our eyes have been putting this together. Well, but I've actually, not been putting it together very well, <laughs> Phil, quite frankly. <laughs> okay. But actually, but when you're going close, <laughs> so that little splodge of red there, I'd assume was a shoe, but actually must be on the wood of the boat. But above that, you've got two sp- vertical splodges of blue. Technical terms, splodge. Obviously. Well, um, they're, they're, to be fair, I'm happy with those terms. So those, those, that, that must be his... The shins of that person. He's obviously got very long legs. Oh, I completely got this wrong. So that's the shins. Okay. Okay, legs coming back here. I thought the blue was another person. I've gone completely wrong. So it just goes to show you. Well, well I don't know. I, I, see, I think that mm. yeah. the sweeping motion there, for me, that's somebody in a big coat wrapping themselves around. Where is she when we need her? And it's funny because actually the head, yeah. when you're going close, it's the strangest thing. I'm not even... I mean... I'm not even sure about this, Phil. Do you think that's even a person? No. I think those two... I think that there's two ladies on the boat. <gasps> and I don't think that's a person at all. Oh, my God. I'm not actually sure what that is at all. So maybe it's just the swirling water. Yeah, but it's, it is a bit of a swirl. It's almost like someone's gone past the jet because ski. Because that person is twice the size of the person exactly. rowing. Oh, look at that. All right, so we're hap- the person in orange is definitely somebody rowing mm. with a yellow hat. Mm. Oh, so you think that person in blue... Oh, I thought that was a person. ...is another person, because they are the same size. Well, it we just goes a, to show you need to look at these show. things carefully. But we did have a chat beforehand, and I said to you... I was looking at another one of her paintings mm. where there was a slight, it's called The Garden Chair, mm. 1882. And I watched a lecture and the woman was saying about the watering can in that painting that just looks really out of place. Mm. So if anyone else wants to have another look at another painting, <laughs> and like I said, uh, Manet was known to come along and do things, so maybe that had a bit of an argument. <laughs> well. 
he's come along. Maybe he's come along and put. I mean, actually, now it, now it's the size of an Easter Island statue. It looks absurd. <laughs> now I'm looking at it closely. It's complete nonsense. We well, just need to. But this little this little square. So so basically, the from the ore. If you're going really close to this picture, and you've just got the ore and the woman in orange. Look at the look at the. This is this is why you know I don't know. Other artists were not going this far. So underneath the boat, little strokes of colour, yeah. blues and greens and purples and mm. pinks and whites. Above, much you know, darker to the right of the boat, where I was misjudging that as a person, you've got blues and, I mean, an incredible, incredible kind of mm. mix of colours. But it is sort of out of place. It is sort of out of place. Because it doesn't flow. I don't quite... With the with the with the watermarks that she's making, no, it's, it's we've a, got really into this now. It's an eddy that doesn't quite. Mm. And actually, the second person, frankly, the person who I thought that was the shins of the big man, <laughs> and now it looks like it's a, a short woman with no lower body at all. <laughs> it looks like she's in the water now. <laughs> I really do think we've. We may have, but that must we may be, need to that go must, and get an extra cup of coffee and That must some be the cake. hat. I mean, no wonder she's rowing fast because <laughs> her friend's gone through the bottom of the boat. That's funny, isn't it? It actually. is funny, actually. So it's actually quite funny that we've noticed it right in the middle of... But, but, you but could, in actual fact, that's lovely because the whole idea is we're discussing a painting. Yeah. If we were actually in front of it, we would have spent a lot... Well, there's, there's the geese. <laughs> but the thing about this is I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm maximum close, as close as I can get. And so doing little boxes from mm. within the painting. And frankly, wherever I stop, I would think, I think to myself, I'd have that on my wall. Just the, just the, just mix. the, just the part of it. Just the mix. Of, mm. Like I've, I've now lost the boat entirely. I'm just looking at the trees and the yeah, top half. Yeah, it's lovely. It's beautiful. And the beautiful detail. I mean, it's not detail, but the beautiful way in which that middle tree, the trunk is done with kind of, Purple and a bit of orange, and it now is so gorgeous. she's doing this on plein air. So she's outside. Mm. She's probably got people chatting to her as they walk past, and maybe as a woman, they're making comments, and maybe she's, oh, yeah, yeah. you know the sun means that the paint isn't isn't I don't know melting or it starts to rain. Who knows? But actually, it's the most extraordinary. Oh look, that is a person. I was right on the other side of the bank to the left. Yeah, with the two. That's a person there. Really two brown cool. legs. And a kind of white yeah. cloak on. It's it, it's amazing her lack of detail that makes it from a distance. We did pick up on it. <sighs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, so it's when you get, you're going now, close to this picture. Yeah, when you get close into the trees. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, they are. They're beautiful. She has got a really lovely touch. So definitely got to go to one of her exhibitions. Because she when she one. she exhibited in the salon, and then after a few years, I think encouraged by Manet, she said, "I've had enough of the salon." Oh yes, didn't she go? So she then exhibited with the impressionists mm. on the well, mm. in the impressionist shows, uh, and again, that man Daron Ruel pops up because she sold some paintings to him. Um, he was such an important guy. So glad we made a film about him. Wonderful, really. I mean, I don't know. I don't know actually if we've actually uh, cleared anything up for anybody <laughs> today. Well, so <laughs> we we are, comments. <laughs> ah, but hold on a second. Look at the title. What's the title of the painting? 
girl in a boat with a, with geese. Oh, you're saying there's now only one girl in a boat. <laughs> so it's not couple in a boat. It's not even, it's not even two girls. Well, it's definitely not girls oh, in a that, boat with a big man. <laughs> but I don't. But that. <laughs> You know what that is? I tell you. Oh, okay, come on then. <laughs> Aladdin. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You know the. <laughs> I really. What's, what's the we, password? I actually don't think we're going to be allowed in to any exhibition. Uh, we're not. We're not. We would have stood in front for this one for ages. We're not treating it enough respect. But hold on, that. Oh, I'm treating it with I respect. I love it. <laughs> I don't believe that that second character is not. I don't think that's just water. No. I think it is girl. But you're right. It is saying girl. Okay. Well. So Basically, we've brought up more. I think we may have been the first to realise that girl in a boat <laughs> is actually girls in a boat. With Aladdin. And I'm going to get on to the National Gallery of Art and have right a now. Word. Okay. I'm sure that anyone was trying to get to sleep is I mean, definitely that, well off now. <laughs> but that, that at the back there, look, look at those arms. They are folded arms in a big cloak. <laughs> girls in a boat. With Aladdin. With Aladdin. <laughs> and geese. We think. Right, we better do something sensible next week. Yes, indeed. All right, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at seventh-art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh-art.com. See you next time. <laughs>